Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Talking USMLE podcast. My name's Dr. Paul. If this is your first time visiting, let me take this opportunity to welcome you to the show. Whether you're in pre-med, med school, or you're just looking for some tips on productivity, inspiration, motivation, and becoming successful, you're in the right place. Before we dive in, please do me a huge favor and let us know how we're doing by leaving us a rating. Five stars if you're enjoying the show. Let's not waste any more time. Let's dive in to today's episode. All right, so let's dive in and let's talk about three ways that you can get step two CS exam ready before you actually start your dedicated step two CS prep. So the three things we're going to talk about are number one, Practicing your basic encounters with patients, meaning practicing your interactions and your interview skills. The second thing, and this is something that almost nobody thinks about beforehand, but will actually actually cause you to fail, is your typing skills. So work on your typing skills before you even get ready for the CS exam. And the third thing, dedicating time every single day to mastering your differentials. All right. So, Doc, let's talk first about practicing your basic patient interaction interview skills. So let's give our audience a little bit of insight into, let's say they're starting third year now, or they're in their later uh, fourth or fifth semesters, and they start doing their physical diagnosis class where they're interacting with people. What are some things that we can have them pay attention to so that they really perfect this skill that will serve them so well, not only in clinicals, but on the CS exam? Well, I mean, overall, it's there's so much to do. It's the data gathering. It's also the interpret you know, as far as connecting with the patient one on one. So, what we do with our with our students in the program, and a lot of times with students training for this, you have to learn the questions you're going to ask the patient because you're, you're a detective. You're walking in, you're asking the right questions. But a little little you know tip tip for everyone out there, it's going to take some time. When I was a mm-hmm. student. You know, they throw you into the rotation and you have to know what to ask. And sometimes they just want you to feel it yourself and figure out what the best questions are. So it's a combination of knowing the right questions at the right time, but also like what we're doing right now, connecting with the individual eye to eye. Granted, it's not going to be a virtual. It's going to be in person for the rotations, hopefully. So there's a lot to do and discuss because not only do you need to know the questions, but also know how to feel comfortable in the room. And that's why the CS is such an important exam that many students don't realize. It's not just an exam to pass. It actually helps you for your residency and beyond. Yeah. Many, many mm-hmm. students tell us, docs, thank you so much for teaching us. We've taken everything you've taught us and now we use it for residency and for attending. And it's a great thing. Yeah, um, absolutely. You need to know, it's a combination of, of I don't know how to say this really, tactics, which is like what questions to ask, like you said, and knowing when to ask them, but also that behavioral component. Connecting with a patient is so important. So developing things like your ability to be empathetic. And how can you be empathetic? It's very simple. You have to be able to understand someone else's perspective. If someone is, let's say, a cancer patient, can you put yourself in their shoes and imagine how they would feel? And when you do that, can you demonstrate through your tone of voice your facial expressions, your body language, that you understand the pain that they're going through. If they are experiencing, let's say, migraine headaches or cluster headaches, the pain they're experiencing, can you show them that you truly care, you truly understand what they're going through, and you feel bad for them? Can you express that? It's one thing to just say, 
I'm really sorry that you're experiencing this type of pain. It's another thing to really soften your voice and say, I'm so sorry you're experiencing this pain. Let's figure out what's going on. Let's do our best to figure out how we can get you feeling back to normal as soon as possible. You see, it's the tone of voice that can really make or break how an SP or a patient in the hospital interprets your behavior. Because one of the biggest problems that we see, uh, we, we, our, our attending friends tell us, our resident friends tell us is, New residents, students, they don't understand how to be empathetic, and it causes a lot of problems, right, with patients because patients think these people, they don't care about me. When that might not be the fact, but the fact of the matter is you need to be able to convince them. It's like you're selling your empathy. So how do you do that? Practice your tone of voice, your facial expressions, your uh, body language. And these are all things that are very easy skills to learn. You just have to practice with someone. You don't want to just think you know what it means to be empathetic. Practice like, like I am right now with Dr. Stavros interacting, making that eye contact, softening your voice when it's appropriate, smiling when it's appropriate, not smiling when it's not appropriate. All of these little things, these little keys that you do throughout the encounter can make or break how a patient interprets you. And ultimately, if you go into your CS exam without these skills mastered, you're going to have a hard time passing the CIS component. But if you go in with this aspect mastered, you're not going to have to worry because once you practice this again and again and again, kind of just becomes second nature, right, Doc? It's just part of who you are and how you interact with someone. So um, we're not going to get into the, the nitty-gritty details of, of uh, mnemonics and all that because this is sort of things you can work on before you even get into dedicated prep. But that is, a like Dr. Stavros said, asking the right questions. And then what I kind of just pushed on was your emotions towards the patient. Work on those two things you will make your life so much easier when it comes time to really dig in and get ready for your dedicated step two CS prep. So I, I wanted to bring, bring it up. I didn't have a chance to tell you, doc, that there was a student yeah. that we trained that took the CS pass, got into residency and they go, you know, tell, tell your students one thing. Now that they have the time to start studying for CS before they even internal medicine, because a lot of times even students have told me they wish they had this kind of roadmap, this kind of way of the mnemonics and knowing what to do before they did the rotation. See, a lot of times you learn this information after you do the rotations. Well, if you had it before you went into your first rotation, you'd be able to practice your data gathering, practice your physical examination, practice all this that we're talking about. So by the time you get to CS, it'll be second nature. Instead of just like, oh, I got to cram it all in because I don't know. So keep that in mind, guys, because people are, they wish they would have had it before they had their rotations. It's a good point. I don't think a lot of students go into an encounter. I think what a lot of students do is they go in, they see that they're attending, might just check the heart, lungs, and then move on. I don't think a lot of students actually go into an encounter and they're like, you know, let's say you are on call and it's just your job to go see the patient and they're experiencing, let's say, some num numbness or tingling in their hands. Some students might not think, mm, let me check cranial nerves, let me check uh, DTRs, let me check strength sensation, because a lot of students just sort of, you know, follow the leader, and sometimes the leader doesn't go as thorough as they need to. No. Take your clinicals as an opportunity to practice everything. So do what you would do in CS during your uh, actual patient encounters, and you'll get a lot better. And like you said, you'll build in muscle memory to the point where by the time you go and you start practicing for the CS, you don't have to learn anything. It's just second nature because you've been doing it. So if you're doing IM, one minute you might see a heart a, a patient with a CHF. Another minute you might see a diabetic patient. Another minute you might see a patient with headaches. Another patient you might see with abdominal pain. Practice doing what you're going to do on CS during your clinicals, and you really don't even need to prepare 
for CS beyond just knowing how to play the game within the parameters of what they're looking for, that will make your life a lot easier. So I'm glad, uh, I'm glad that student reached back out. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's really cool. I mean, I wish I had that when I when we did pediatrics because I didn't know what to ask if I had a mnemonic before I saw the attending. It would have been nice because I would have impressed the attending. I'd be like, oh, you have to ask about births, you know, birth development and the developmental milestones and immunizations. We can go on forever. Yeah. Get the book, guys. Learn, practice it from now. You know, really destroy your rotations. Highlight yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Number two is work hard to ensure that your typing is strong. Sure. I can't tell you how many students we deal with, you know, as well as I do, um, who they, they come to a prep course for CS and they'll say, um, I can't type without looking at the keyboard. I can't type with all 10 fingers. So like literally I'm, I'm, I'll watch someone type and they're looking like this to type one finger at a time. Yeah. You're never going to get through it. You yeah. need to be able to type that my, 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 my cardinal rule is this. You should be able to A, type without looking at the keyboard and B, you should be able to type with all 10 fingers. Okay. Now you don't have to be a stenographer. You don't have to be typing 90 plus words a minute, but you should be competent enough so that you can type relatively quickly, accurately without having to look at the keyboard. Cause if you're always looking down, what happens? You're looking down, then you have to look up to make sure you type correctly. You know, there's, maybe there's a couple errors you have to fix. Then you have to look over at your note. Then you have to come back here. So you're going there to there to there. If you can type without looking and with all 10 fingers, what can you do? You have your hands on your keyboard. You look over at your patient note, type, 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 type. Quick glance at the screen to make sure there's no errors. Type, 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 type. So you have to get to that point. If you go into your CS without these basic skills, you're not going to finish your notes in time. And if yeah. you're finishing your notes just in the nick of time during practice, I can guarantee you, because we've been doing this for a decade, you will not finish in under 10 minutes on the exam because you have anxiety. Don't forget when you finish in the room, you don't just magically are sitting at a desk. You have to say goodbye, close the door, sit down, put your paper down. That's 20 to 30 seconds there. I always tell students, you should at a minimum be able to finish your patient note in nine minutes. That yeah. gives you tons of padding for a what i just talked about going from the room to the desk and b just the anxiety that comes with being in the test it's going to affect you in some way shape or form because most people are going to slow down a little bit due to the anxiety so how can you fix your typing super super simple um you know this isn't 1999 where you had to buy a course uh you know or go see someone google how to type learn how to type. There's a million free programs that will walk you through simple step-by-step -step strategies, skill, um, little games, typing sure. uh, skill exercises, and that will help you slowly but surely get better. Now, before I let you jump in, sorry, I'm hogging all of your time. No, please, never apologize. I had a student who was really struggling with this typing. So I told him exactly what I just told you guys. I explained why the typing is important, what he should aim for. And I had him Google and he found a program he did it for two days and he said, my typing's not getting better. Well, how long did you practice every day? Oh, I did it for five minutes. So five minutes for two days, that's not enough. If your typing is weak, at least dedicate a minimum, a bare minimum of one hour per day until you're competent. Now, mm -hmm. if you are watching this and CS is back right now, we're in the middle of a pandemic, so it's not here, but if you're watching this and CS, the CS exam is back, 
you should be doing two to three hours a day to really uh, speed up the process, the learning process of being able to type. So let's say your exam's in a month, you have no time to waste. Two to three hours every morning, practice your typing, get competent enough with the skill. And then once you've got that skill developed, then you can start doing um, patient notes, let's say from our survival guide or from the first aid, whatever book you're going to use, or even just practicing cases you did at the hospital. Uh, I do recommend our survival guide, obviously 120 plus cases to practice, but you have to develop the skill before you actually implement the skill. You can't, you know, you can't um, just start dribbling a basketball in the middle of a game. You have to learn how to dribble before you can start running around and shooting. So, Doc, anything to add to that? I think I uh, no, no, gobbled, you gobbled up all your time there. Sorry. No, 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 no. You know, and I and I understand why people can get through medical school without typing because figure it this way. Sure. First two years, you're in school. Next two years, you're in rotations. A lot of times, you're writing out notes. Obviously, you're typing, but it depends. Some hospitals still want you to write out the notes. And then you get to CS. You're like, wait, what? I have to type? So not only do you have to type because of the CS, but then as everything is moving forward, progressive forward with technology, yeah, we'll dictate, but until you're becoming an attending or a resident, you have to practice from typing, right? That's the whole point. I had one student early in this, this year, January 2020, he, didn't, he wasn't a really good typer. He spent every day, three, four hours a day. So not only did he train with us every day, remotely, he was online, but then he typed every day, eventually improved. But if you're watching this video, if you practice from today and you see us two years from now or a year from now when you come train with us, at that time, we wouldn't have to spend extra hours typing. We'd, we'd spend those hours fine-tuning yourself, data gathering, and all the little tips and strategies we have for you, especially because when CS comes back, they might change it. But, you know, you, if you know us by now, we'll be up to date with everything. So looking forward to seeing you guys live or live online when the time comes. Yeah, if you, and yeah, if you're in the process of prepping for CS and you're going to come and see us for a prep course, Make sure that your typing skills, like he said, are up to speed because we don't want to wait. If you spend a couple thousand dollars for us to train you, we want to train you to master the skills that are going to get you to pass. We, we can't actually train you to type because that's just something you have to take upon yourself. Mm -hmm. So if we spend half the week waiting for you to catch up your typing, that's half the week where there's time that you have to put towards a skill that you can do on your own that we're not able to actually help you get even better. So keep that in mind, master this skill. And it's not only a skill for the CS, you're gonna to need to type. Computers aren't going anywhere in case you haven't noticed. You need to learn to type. It'll make your life a lot easier. You'll just get through emails faster. Um, you know, everything is a lot faster. So learn how to type. And one more little nugget, cause you know that a lot of students we train, we stay in, we stay in friendships, you know, we have a lot of friendships, sure. residency and attending and, and attending positions. I was talking to two other students. They go, well, not only do I type better in residency, but then you have presentations, right? You're, you have to yeah. help future residents and your seniors. So typing always going to be there. Can you do a typing presentation in 20 minutes or three hours? There's a big difference. So if you think it's not going to help you now, it's going to help you later, especially in, in residency and beyond. So start working from now. You'll see a big difference later. That's all. Absolutely. All right. And our third tip is dedicate some time each day to mastering your differentials. I'm going to let you jump on this one first, then I'll throw my two cents in. Why is it so important that students come into their CS prep already knowing their differentials? So just to, 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 to give an idea out there, those who are watching and listening, if you come with the knowledge of the, the mnemonics, that's great. But if I give you all the different signs and symptoms and you can't formulate a differential, that's going to be challenging. So you can gather the info. So you're gathering the information, which is wonderful, but then you have to connect it live. So you don't have a, at least a solid foundation of 
the differential, it's going to be quite challenging to not only collect the info in a live setting or live online either way, but then connect it to a point where it's accurate. Because unfortunately, unfortunately with CS, if they're inaccurate differentials, your score goes down. Picture this way. Come see me. I'm your physician. And I say, oh, it could be this, could be this, could be that. All three are wrong. What have I proved to you? I've, I've gathered the information okay because I memorized a couple of mnemonics, but I wasn't able to really connect as a physician what you might be having. So mm-hmm. I've seen and you've seen doc, sometimes you spend up to three, four days working with the student because they don't have the foundation, which then that tells me for those watching now, if you are planning to go into internal medicine, peds, OB, please not only take it seriously because I know you do, but if the school maybe has some rotations aren't as strong, maybe only a couple hours a day, do yourself a favor as you've watched our videos time and time again, stay as long as possible, extract information from every possible physician. Not only will that help you with CK, but it's also going to help you with CS. If you cut corners because, oh, you know, only had three hours in the pediatric rotation, not only are you responsible for CK, but then those are the differentials. You need to know the differentials or you get them wrong and your score goes down. I can guarantee you that. So please learn your differentials, please. So, I have nothing exactly. I have nothing to really add to that. The importance is obviously, Dr. Stavros, you just explained it perfectly. So, a couple tips just to master differentials now, because students are always wondering, well, you know, how do I actually study for mastery of differentials? It's not really just a thing of you know, you study independent topics and then magically you're going to put it all together. What I recommend is two things. Take a two-pronged approach. When you are doing clinicals, if you're in your clinical years, every time you see a patient. Think to yourself, based on what you're seeing, before you have any discussion with the attendings or the other students, on, your, on the pad that you're going to walk around with, you should always walk around with something you can write on, come up with differentials just based on the signs and symptoms. Do that every single time, and then after you've left the room and you guys talk about the case, see how accurate you are. If you're accurate consistently, maybe 80%, 90% of the time, you're probably in good shape. But always make sure that if you screw something up, let's say you have uh, three differentials and one of them was just flat out wrong, don't just say, ah, I got it wrong, scratch it out. Say, okay, what did I do incorrectly here? To, or what did I interpret as one thing that brought me to the wrong differential? Identify your mistakes, learn from them, and then you'll see that you get better and better and better. If by the end of your uh, surgery, ro- your rotation, your internal rotation, your piece, ob if by the end of these rotations, you're not almost perfect with your differentials, then you're not working hard enough to master the differentials. Now, that's one thing. The other thing is when you actually sit down to study. Now, from all of the other videos we've done, we tell you guys all the time, during an internal rotation, make sure you are going through internal medicine uh, review, whether you're using a BRS book, whether you're using uh, videos online, Kaplan, whatever it may be, make sure that when you're in internal, you're aggressively studying internal. In surgery, aggressively studying surgery. Now, as you go through the videos, you should think in terms of conditions. So let's say I have a headache. You want to think in terms of if I see a patient with headache, what are my initial top three differentials? And then the way you can study is you can put them, you can say, you could take a piece of paper and write headache, differentials. These are my top three. These are the things in common. These are the things that are unique. So for example, headache, right? If you have uh, migraine and then you have cluster and then you have tension, how do these present? Well, a couple might be unilateral. One might be bilateral. That's a differentiating factor. Another might be pounding. Another might be squeezing. You kind of get the point here. Identify common causes of common problems and then list them so that in your head, you can close your eyes and think, okay, 
Uh, I have epigastric pain. My top three were this. I know that the patient has uh, pain that's sort of burning in nature. Uh, it's sort of retrosternal uh, radiation. I might be thinking one thing versus the other. You want to get to a point where you can see the notes you took in column format, right? Top three differentials. What are the common signs and symptoms? What are the different, different signs and symptoms that help you separate those common things from each other? And then just do this over and over and over again with almost every, any condition you can possibly think of that you come across either on the wards or during your studies. And if you take even 30 minutes to an hour every day and just go over this process, you will slowly get better and better. And here's the beautiful thing. If you can think in terms of differentials, when you read a vignette, what do you think they are presenting with you? They're presenting you with a patient. <laughs> so when you walk into the room of a patient and you see these signs and symptoms, think of it as a vignette. And when you're reading a vignette in New World, think of it as I just walked into the patient's room and this is what they're telling me. A lot of yeah. students get all bogged down in, in a vignette and think it's this crazy thing. Just think of it as you're walking into the room. And if you do that, it's a really strong mental shift. I tell students who are struggling with questions all the time, forget about the fact that it's a written question. Pretend you just walked into a room and this is the information you gathered. That's and they're good. like, holy smokes. Just thinking that way makes it a lot easier to diagnose, especially if you've done rotations or you're in rotations. And if you do all these things before you even sit down to start dedicated CS prep, CS is going to be a joke to you. Of and course. to be honest with you, I think we've given you guys so much value in this video that we're probably going to some students who might have come to us for help probably now don't need it but that's okay because we want to help you out and if this exactly. was enough to help you pass without needing any more help beautiful but if you follow everything we've told you here today not only are you going to get yourself in great shape for cs you're going to be able to get ready for it faster with a lot less stress go in bang it out of the park and move on and ultimately just be a better physician and a better uh, person because you have these skills in place that will just allow you to move through life a lot more efficiently with a lot less stress and with a lot more ease. And ultimately that's the goal in my mind. I mean, when I, when I did my internal medicine rotation, it was hard for me because I read a lot prior to the rotation, but when you walk into the room with your attending and you have your colleagues, your students next to you, and you find out the patient has X, Y, and Z, he might turn around or she might turn around and say, all right, doc, what do you think it is? I, I don't know. Right. That's a whole concept. So if you practice, not only will you excel in your rotations, which then segues into getting good at great LORs and then getting a great CK score, but then you transition into your CS. Well, I've been doing it for a year and a half. I go, well, it's cakewalk, like you said. Yep, so yep. Come to us, someone have to come to us because they saw this video prior to even starting the rotation. So good job, guys. Awesome. All right, guys, that is all we have for you today. Let us know in the comment section below what takeaway from this video was the biggest eye-opener for you. We would love to get your feedback on that. Don't forget to... Show us some love, hit the like button below, subscribe, set up notifications so we can let you know every time we release a brand new video. Thank you all for stopping by. We appreciate your time. See you on the next video. Bye guys. Thank you all for listening. I hope you found that to be helpful. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at RealDrPaul and you can follow Dr. Stavros at RealDrStavros. I hope you found this episode to be helpful. If you did, please don't forget to leave us a five-star rating and leave a review so we know if you're finding the show to be helpful. We thank you for listening to the show. We know that you could be anywhere right now, but you've decided to spend your time with us. And for that, we're forever grateful. Thank you all for stopping by. We'll see you on the next episode.